Hello there. Good morning. It's Mitten Madness on 95.3 WBCK. Jacob Harrison, the brand manager of WBCK. Dejan Hughes, the brand manager of The Block, 1025-1049. They're in Battle Creek. Got a lot to get into. It's the usual stuff. It's the Lions. It's the Wolverines. It's college football and our picks. We'll start with the Lions here in just a bit. But first, DJ, how's it going, man? How's the week? I can't complain at all. Um, Harrison Bucker did fantastic things for me Thursday night during the Thursday night football game. Michigan is seemingly going to take care of business this weekend. Uh, My Packers, I'm not really too worried about them. Kind of just more in a fantasy football mode. And my team is absolutely insane. So I'm I'm living well. And we got Western's homecoming. So I'll be out and about um, around town and, and enjoying that game as well. So. Fun stuff on the dock this weekend. Yeah, same for uh, just honing in on fantasy. I mean, Alabama's got Arkansas this week. Easy game. Steelers are off this week. So I'll just go out and make some extra money, chill out, not take anything too seriously. Enjoy the enjoy the weekend here in just a little bit. But uh, there are some NFL games that we're definitely going to have the opportunity to enjoy. And we're going to talk about a handful of them when we get into our picks. But I think uh, Chief Among them all really is what's going to happen at 425 down there in Tampa Bay off the Gulf Coast when the Detroit Lions go down to face Baker Mayfield and the resurging Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think a lot of people thought Tampa might be one of those teams in play for Caleb Williams and and all those quarterbacks coming out for next year's NFL draft. But uh, and there was talks of Mike Evans leaving the the the, the franchise fairly quickly. No, it's Baker Mayfield is is running the show. You know what they say, Baker Mayfield and Baker May shock the world. Um, 880 yards, seven touchdowns, just two picks. I mean, Baker's got the the Bucks looking pretty good, but uh, DJ, you don't think they're for real though? Yeah, I, dude, it's so hard for me to say the Bucks are like something legit that we should really be paying attention to because, like, looking at their last five, which goes. Um, End of the preseason, I'm not going to touch on that preseason game. But to start the year, they're four games over Minnesota by three, who had barely won the one game they won and have yet to actually, like, they look really good. But now without Justin Jefferson, they're definitely going to be on a down shot. So that game, that win doesn't look as impressive as it should. I mean, Minnesota's played everybody close. Yes, Minnesota's played everybody close. That's their MO. But now it's going to get worse, (laughs) and they probably won't be playing people as close without Justin Jefferson, which in turn makes that loss look worse than what it will be in the future. Like, right now, it's not a bad loss because you lost by three. They've been playing everybody close. But then when they start losing by quite a bit, and you look at the end of the year and their record isn't what people thought it was going to be, that's going to be a really bad loss. And then Chicago, who, I mean, tore apart. Washington last week on Thursday, but hasn't looked good in any other game. And you beat them. Including that one. Including this one. You beat them. You lose to Philadelphia, who's arguably the best team in the NFC, arguably the best team in the NFL. Understandable. You should lose that game. You didn't look good in that game, though, which is a concern, because if you were for real, you would have given this somewhat of a push because Philadelphia hadn't figured it out yet. They're still figuring it out. They're still figuring it out, and you couldn't get close to that team, so you expect to be close to them when they do figure it out by the end of the year? I don't think so. And then this past weekend, the Saints, sure you win, but that's the worst. You are in the worst division in football, and by default, the Bucs should be the best team in that division. The Saints 
have some pieces they can put together and may be able to crawl back at the end of the year if they're able to find some momentum. But Carolina has yet to win a game and is struggling. I actually saw a graphic about Carolina, and it was like, has has your uh, NFL team won a game before your hockey team? And it was one big circle, 30, 31 teams. And it was like, of course, the NFL season started six like six weeks before the NHL season. And then it's Carolina all by themselves under the yes because, or <laughs> under no because they haven't won a game yet. And, it's, and they just have a lot going on there. And then Atlanta has some pieces, but Desmond Ritter just hasn't been able to perform the way they thought he would, which has really held them back as well. So realistically, you've beat maybe one good team on here and you lost to a really good team that was playing subpar. So what have you actually done to prove that you're worth looking at against a team that is hot? The Lions are hot. They're one of the best teams in the NFL right now, and they have the second easiest schedule left. But you mean to tell me the Bucks are the ones that are going to stop them, even though they're one of four teams left on their roster or on their schedule that has a winning record? I just don't buy it. I mean, uh, weakest division in, in the NFL, the NFC South may be, but... Three of the four teams are above 500. I, I, it feels weird, and I think you're, you're going to give me a funny look when I say this. I've always been a fan of Baker Mayfield, even when he was in Cleveland. Like I, I like the dude's attitude. I like the way that he carries himself. I like the way that he is able to really just defy all odds because he's not a perfect quarterback specimen. He is a very, very flawed quarterback top to bottom. Uh, but fact of the matter is, Cleveland's won like one playoff game in the past, you know, quarter century, if not longer than that. He was the quarterback of that team against my Steelers. He's, he is not one to be doubted. And ever since he left Cleveland, he has been nothing but doubted. Carolina is garbage fire. Like that is, that is not a good situation. Hasn't been a good situation for years. And now there's at odds and Bryce Young's just not in a good situation. I feel bad for my guy. As soon as Baker gets out of that situation, he goes down to LA. And has one of the most improbable games on a Thursday night where he looked fantastic. And he'd only been there for like four days. Now he's in Tampa, wins the job handedly, and has has the Bucks at three and one ready to to host the Lions as just three point dogs. Even the guys in Vegas don't want to doubt Baker anymore. And all the rumblings about Mike Evans potentially leaving the franchise before the season's end? No. <laughs> he's feeding Mike Evans. Twenty catches, three hundred and thirty yards, three tutties. He's he's pacing to have yet another 1,000-yard season. So they've, they've got a running running game in Rasheed White. There's a lot that's actually going very well for Tampa right now. Detroit has even more going for them, though, and that's that's the difference in the game. I don't think it's because Tampa's a pretender. I just think it's because the Lions are such contenders. ESPN put out a top 10 of the NFL rookies so far this season. At number six is Brian Branch. At number eight is Sam Laporta. And, you know, they don't mention... Two other guys that are just on the outskirts of that. But Jameer Gibbs has shown to be a special asset when he's given his opportunities. And on the other side of the ball is the, the, the linebacker from Iowa who is doing his thing as well, Jack Campbell. So the entire makeup of the Lions being these young, hungry players and some veterans who have been cast off and, and told that the Lions can't do this, that they've kind of created this environment, especially under Dan, Cam- uh, Dan Campbell, where they feel and look unstoppable. And I always, I always love to see the, the locker room 
speeches that Campbell gives after wins or, or after games rather and to stand in front of the team last week after dismantling Carolina the way they did and saying the words, we did what we were supposed to do. Because that's what we talked about last week. We know that the Lions are a better football team than Carolina. But are they going to prove that in every facet of the game and on the scoreboard? That's exactly what they did. We know that Detroit is a better team than Tampa talent-wise, but now... Do you, you, now you kind of have to show some mental toughness because Tampa is going to come in with that underdog mentality behind Baker Mayfield in, the, in a way that he thrives. How do you keep Tampa from utilizing that to their advantage? Because Detroit no longer gets to use the underdog thing anymore. They're one of the three best teams in the best conference in the league. So Detroit has to now put itself on the pedestal and kick downwards at Tampa and be effective about it. And I think the way that they've built their team, because if you're pointing out two of the top 10 rookies in the NFL this year, and not even including the first rounders who are both playing well in the circumstances that they're given, and then you look back over the past couple of years where Panay Suel, Aiden Hutchinson, like they haven't missed on many guys other than Jeff Okuda. And they've made solid choices all the way around the board building this team. And, now, and then you bring in veterans like Jared Goff or like C.J. Gardner-Johnson that are really rounding this thing off. David Montgomery doing his part in the backfield. I don't know. There, there's something special about Tampa, but there's something even more special about Detroit and I think that's why this makes for a fun matchup in the afternoon slot tomorrow well it really comes down to um, the trenches that's the reason why the Lions are doing everything that they're doing they are absolutely dominating the trenches on both sides that that front seven is doing everything they can to stop the run everything they can to get pressure in the passing game and they're tipping passes they're catching interceptions themselves when you look at it, the Lions are allowing a whopping 68.4 rushing yards a game. In an entire NFL game, they're only giving up 68 rushing yards a game. While they're in turn running for 141. They're throwing for 253, giving up 250, so about even in the air. So it really comes down to the fact that they have won their games because they're able to run the ball and they're not letting the team, the other team run the ball on them. And from what I can tell from the little bit I've seen of the Bucks, they're very play-action based. They like to get the run going and then give Baker an option in the play-action. That may not be a case when you're going against the Lions. I think it's going to be an interesting game overall, and I think both of us are in agreement just in different manners that the Lions are going to come away with the win in this one and continue on a trek. And you mentioned it earlier. They've got this... I think the the second easiest schedule in the NFL, they do not play a lot of teams with winning records. I just, the, the next couple of weeks after this Bucks game is probably the toughest stretch until the end of the season where they've got the Bucks, Ravens, Raiders, Chargers. Then after that, it's Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears, Broncos. And then depending on how the Vikings are able to scrap together their season in the middle of it, which does not look like it's going to be a positive outcome, then you close Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings heading into the playoffs, which, yeah, like there's so much confidence already that the Lions are going to make the playoffs. And it's because of how they started the season and it's the makeup of the of the team, not necessarily who they're playing and how they're performing against it because they proved a lot already just in week one with the win over the Chiefs. We'll take a break, and when we come back, it's Michigan football as well as some uh, college football playoff predictions that DJ 
and any Wolverine fan out there is absolutely gonna hate. Here on Mitten Madness 95.3 W. Back here on Mitt, Jacob Harrison, Dejan Hughes, talking a little college football playoff predictor. Uh, ESPN putting out this, uh, 2023 All-State playoff predictor, rainy, ranking the, uh, chances for some of the top teams in the country to make the playoffs and to win the championship. Uh, preliminary kind of thing, the Big Ten has the highest chances to put at, um, excuse me, they have a better chance to put at least one team in than the Big 12. That's 91 percent to 89 percent those are the two teams that have the hot or the two conferences that have the highest chances of making the college football playoff every other power five conference still obviously in that conversation the acc being the lowest the big 10 also has the highest chance to put multiple teams in the playoffs 18 percent to the big 12's 14 percent the sec at just five percent i'm sure you'll like that what you will not like is when i run down some of the top teams in the country and their odds to make the playoffs and win the championship at the top is the oklahoma Sooners off their win over Texas. They have a 71% chance to make the playoffs as well as a 23% chance to win the title. Next up, you're going to hate this one, Ohio State. 52% chance to make the playoff, 16% chance to win the title. Georgia, 42% chance to make the playoff, 11% chance to win the title. Those are the only three schools that have higher than a 10% chance of winning the national championship. Next up is Oregon, 40% chance, 9% chance. Texas, 32% chance to make the playoff, 9 to win the whole thing. Alabama, 30% chance to make the playoff, 8% chance to win the title. Then we get to the Michigan Wolverines, 29% chance to make the playoff, 7% chance to win the title. I think what the playoff predictor is trying to tell you, DJ, and all of your Wolverine friends, is that you shouldn't be looking forward to the weekend of Thanksgiving too much. (laughs) You know what I got to say to that? Is finally, 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 Michigan hasn't had bill bulletin board material all season. They haven't had bullet board, bulletin board material for a couple years now because they've just been the best in the conference. Somebody's finally truly doubting them and they have a reason to say it when they're playing their best football. This is some of the best po- football they've played in the last 10 years. And now they're they're being doubted. The last nine years, they've been saying Michigan has a chance. Oh, if they do this, if they do that, they could. Now, all of a sudden, they're playing the the football you've been asking them to play, and now they're not good enough? This is exactly what they needed. This is going to be hanging up in the locker room. They're going to be seeing it all the time. You only got a 30% chance to be top four, even though you're the second best team in the country right now, even though you beat everybody by 24, even though you have the least amount of offensive drives and the least amount of defensive drives, but you're still giving up the least amount of points and scoring the most amount of points in the country, but you're not good enough. Only 30% chance you're going to be top four at the end of the year. To be fair. And only a 7% chance you're going to be the one to lift the trophy. That's exactly what Michigan needed to see and hear. It's going to be all over the place for them now, and they are going to eat that up. I am here for it. But it also makes tons of sense. Because when you look at Penn State and Ohio State, some of the other teams on this list, like, for example, Oklahoma. Who else do they have left to beat? Nobody. Kansas? Okay. Yeah. Ohio State, the only game they have to actually be worried about is Penn State and Michigan. Two games. And Penn State's coming up pretty quick. Georgia. They don't have to really worry again until the SEC championship? Question mark? It looks like they might be taking on Alabama for that. Right. Oregon, Washington, USC. They all still have to play each other. Those are the only games they have left to win. USC's not even on this, by the way. I see USC at a 9% chance um, all the way down at the bottom of the page at top 14 here. Um, Texas, 
now they lost to Oklahoma, like all they can do is win out and hope to play Oklahoma. Or no, they're on the same side of the Big 12, so I don't even think they can go to the Big 12 championship game. I may be wrong on how Big 12 has everything split, but best case scenario, they get to play Oklahoma again and fight for a chance to be in the in the net in the uh, Big Four. So really, when you're looking at this, Michigan does have one of the hardest schedules left of these groups in terms of who they have to play because they still have to play a tough Penn State team, a Maryland team that's playing some of its best football. They still have to play a very tough Ohio State team, still have to win the Big Ten title. So I get it, but I still think it's just great bulletin board material for Michigan to hang up and be like, look, they don't think we can do it, even though we're clearly one of the best teams in the country to be fair they is just numbers in a machine right they are not pundits or experts or fans or anything like that facts the the only thing doubting michigan is is the odds Mm -hmm. put into a calculator and it's spitting those odds back out to be fair that doesn't matter squat when when the wolverines and the buckeyes meet up the day after black friday it's more of a situation of Michigan just has to handle business all year long. And that means riding the wave of what they've been riding, which is there's going to be some adversity. Michigan hasn't looked perfect. The scoreboard would indicate that they have looked perfect. They have not looked perfect. There have been a, a handful of, of drives for the offense. There's been a handful of drives for the defense that have both shown that they are not perfect. They are flawed and they have things to overcome and work on as the season progresses. And that's pretty much the same thing for, for every team in the country. But I do find it, I think the thing that I expected to upset you the most is the fact that two teams that already have have losses on the year have higher percent chances to make the playoffs than a team that might only lose one game this year dude i would i want to get upset but bias is bias and like that's just natural but these are numbers i I understand (laughs) but like me and like most other people aren't going to look at this as numbers we're going to think that this is people sitting around looking at schedules and so implicitly in our heads it's already okay these are humans humans have bias i have bias I think the Big Ten is better than people think. Why? Because I live in Big Ten country and my favorite team is a Big Ten team. So I biasly think the Big Ten is probably better than it really is. A lot of people do. Like so many people in the world just have an SEC bias. The SEC is For good easily <laughs> the best football team, you know, best football conference in the, in the country. That's what people run with. So for Texas and Oklahoma who are going to be in the big in the SEC next year, Alabama who's already in SEC, Georgia to be above us. It's the same things I hear all the time. I get it. Oh, a two-loss Alabama. But both of those teams have lost games I, I understand. that are going to be worse than what could possibly be Michigan's worst loss. Sure. I I know. I 100%. Especially I Alabama. But how many times have I been told a two-loss Alabama is better than a one-loss Michigan? Way too many times in my life. So, like, it doesn't bother me now for that bias to be there because people just have it. So... Like And like you said, these numbers almost don't matter. They're here. They're numbers. We'll see what actually happens on the football yeah. field. So far, nobody has even come close to slowing down this behemoth of a train that Michigan is. So until someone makes me worry about what Michigan can do, then I'll be more panicked. But right now, there's nothing that makes me question that Michigan won't be one of the top four teams in the country playing in the playoff. 
And for Oklahoma, it makes sense why their odds are so high. They just beat a top five team and they have a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way. So I want to look to the team that has the second highest odds here to make and win the whole thing. And that is the Ohio State Buckeyes, that team down south. Have they really done enough to really warrant such a ridiculous well, I think it's a long... They barely beat Notre Dame, who was a man short and a yard short in, in that game. Ohio State really should have lost because they didn't play well enough to win. Notre Dame did. Ohio State just, you know, they had their opportunity there at the end. And you've only got two more games against ranked opposition to lead the to, to end the season. And I don't know. I mean, so one of those is on the road against a rival that you haven't beaten in three years. Two. Technically. Two. Yeah. It's about to be three. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm with you. There you go. But um, <laughs> like the, the biggest thing is, right, looking at Ohio State, they had the the luckiness with Notre Dame. They got out of that with a win, so you can't really mark them down for that. But they've done basically what Georgia has done this year. Played really bad in first halves, played really good in second halves, and then blown teams out that they should blow out. So it looks good for them, and they won their game against ranked opponents. So, like, I get what, like, the numbers are looking at what they've done so far as far as scoring and winning and losing and then comparing that to past seasons is what I'm guessing out of this calculator is past seasons come into, into mind with this and just looking at overall records. When you look at what Ohio State has coming up, Penn State actually has no validity in any of this because what is the best Penn State's ever done? Not much. To be fair. Like, they, like I'm not saying Penn State isn't a good program and doesn't have tons under their belt to solidify them, but like in terms of BCS, in terms of playoff, like they haven't made those waves. Yeah. Be, well, granted, they've had to pass Ohio State and Michigan, which makes it very tough, but you're not helping your case when you aren't beating anyone, either one of them in a season. So yeah, when you look at it, Ohio State only has one, maybe two games to worry about in Michigan in the Big Ten title if they beat Michigan and then get to the Big Ten title. Michigan has Penn State, who has beat Michigan before a number of times in a row. So like, that's a worrisome game. Michigan State is still a worrisome game because it's a rival who has nothing left to play for but beating Michigan. Ohio State, who's a rival, and then the Big Ten title game. So there's three to four games that Michigan has to be concerned with moving forward, which makes it it makes sense. Ohio State doesn't have necessarily much to worry about if the if they get through Penn State. If they lose to Penn State, I think that number drops dramatically. Well, there's also the off chance that they each beat each other. If Penn State beats Michigan, Michigan beats Ohio State, and Ohio State beats Penn State, then all chaos is let loose at that point, and it's who gets to be in the Big Ten championship by mathematics alone. And honestly, that's kind of a fun situation for me. I know a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't like that, but I don't know. I think it's I think it's too early. I think that's the one thing that I disagree with on the math here is I think Ohio State's chances should be down where Michigan and Penn State's are because. Because all three of those teams are reliant on how the other performs when they play each other. And if there's a three-way tie or if one team is one and one, one's two and oh, and the other's oh and two, you know, that, that it changes everything. The rest of these teams on this list are already impacted by each other or uh, Oklahoma and Texas or are only impacted by schools that can either completely decimate them, Oregon, or kind of have an easy road the rest of the way, Oklahoma, Georgia, Texas, Alabama, until they get to 
their conference championships, in which case all bets are off because I think we're kind of setting up right now to have some very exciting conference championships in the SEC, in the Big 12, and in the Pac-12 to determine three of those four playoff spots. And I think the Big Ten's playoff spot is determined in Ann Arbor the day after Black Friday. We'll continue to talk about Michigan and their opposition this weekend as they are at home against Indiana next here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK. Morning, noon, and night. Our news team keeps you informed. 95.3 WBCK. We are Battle Creek. And we're back on Midden Madness 95.3 WBCK. Jacob Harrison, Dejon Hughes. Michigan back in the big house this weekend as 33-point favorites over the Indiana Hoosiers. DJ, that one's uh that one's gonna get ugly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Michigan necessarily covers. That's even, a that's a tough spread to even cover. Even though they beat you. everybody by twenty four plus, thirty three is a very tough, tough, tough line. But I do like them to have a fantastic day. I think everything is set up for them to just run away with this one, set the tone early and and literally run away with it. Get a few I'm sure uh, JJ and Roman will hook up for a few tutties. Like, that's just normal at this point. But I think they get to passing out of the way early and let let the Don and, and BC take things home for, for the Wolverines because why even play and risk anything else when you can just handle things so smoothly? Yeah, I mean, uh, last week was a 42-point uh, victory over Minnesota. That that 33 points, I'm t- like, that is a... That is a hard spread to bet with. I'll t- it, it it was it's been hard over the years for Alabama to to cover those consistently, and they dominate against unranked uh, teams. I've only lost one game since two thousand eight against unranked opposition. Uh, Indiana, not a good football team, even more so than than usual. Those those couple of years with Michael Penix, uh, that was short lived. This one not going to be particularly uh, enticing. What we, we shouldn't anticipate. I think the the biggest thing is continuing to see how the team continues to to grow. We mentioned it earlier how really it's come down to the point where Michigan has proven that they're one of the the three or four best teams in all of college football, if not one of the one or two best teams. And then once it comes down to playing the likes of Penn State and Ohio State, that's when we're going to learn the most about. Uh, them and obviously those games are sandwiched at the end of the year with a tough Maryland team in between. But before we get to the other game that that you're somewhat worried about, uh, let's talk about the other team in the Big Ten from the state of Michigan. That is the Michigan State Spartans. They are once again dogs in in a football game against a Big Ten opponent. They uh, they travel out to New Jersey to take on Rutgers, who looked good early against Michigan. And I think have one of the uh, the tighter margins of uh, defeat against the Wolverines this year. But nonetheless, Michigan State looks like they're going to be in for another difficult time against Rutgers. Uh, absolutely. I think the biggest thing is that Michigan State's best attribute is putting the ball in the air. But Rutgers doesn't give up a lot of passing yards. Like right now, they're only averaging giving up. 165 passing yards per game. And that's where Michigan State tries to attack the most. Um, 
Carter doesn't do bad on the ground with 93 carries on the year, but they, they're really looking to attack the air, and that's not necessarily something that Rutgers allows you to do at, at an effective rate. So this one is just going to come down to how much Michigan State can run the ball. If they're able to do that, uh, set up some play action and get some big plays in the passing game, because if not, it may be a very long day for them in which Rutgers is – kind of just taking their time and, and putting themselves in positions to win. Yeah, and I, I I don't have a lot of reason to feel confident that, that Michigan State can can win this game. I think Rutgers is kind of on the up, uh, the upswing. They played well against Michigan. They had the big win over Virginia Tech. They played Wisconsin closely in a loss last week out in Wisconsin, uh, which is a tough place to win, especially if you're you know an up-and-coming team in the conference. For Rutgers to have this game at home where Michigan State is on a three-game losing skid where they have not even looked, I mean, fieldable in many cases. And I get it. Iowa, you know, they played Iowa a little bit closer uh, two weeks ago uh, before their bye week. But Iowa's not known for absolutely gouging you on the scoreboard, even if they look dominant in a win. And Kate McNamara, who's their starting quarterback, got hurt in that game early in that right. game, too, completely changed the script. I think that score looks a lot different if Cade McNamara stays healthy. Yeah, for sure. And I say all this because I'm not... I'm still at that point where I've got no reason to believe that the Spartans can win another game. And I, I get it. We're going to talk about it. The next week is going to be a big week, obviously, with the game in being in East Lansing, Michigan at Michigan State. So I don't need you to, to, to really dive into it too much. We don't have the enough time for you to do so. But you're telling me that you're kind of worried about that game. Does the outcome of Michigan State Rutgers kind of play into that at all? Or are you just worried about the Spartans because – that's the nature of the rivalry, and it doesn't matter if they win or lose to Rutgers. Yeah, I, this game really plays no factor. I think them losing kind of gives them more motivation to win. But even if they win, I don't think that draws extra to be like, oh, we won a game, let's build this momentum and go in. No, it's just simply you're scared of this game if you're a Michigan fan because you know you've seen it happen to you a thousand times in the past. Seasons where Michigan State has no business even being remotely close to putting out a team that should be even stepping on the gridiron with the Wolverines will come out and beat them because this is what they hang their season on. It's a good season if they beat Michigan. They could go 1-11 and beat Michigan, and it was the best season they've ever had. That's troublesome. That's scary anytime you're good, anytime you're good or bad. When a team wants to beat you that bad to where it's the only thing that makes their season a success, it's it's scary. We'll certainly have the opportunity to talk at length about that game next week here on Mitten Madness. In the meantime, we'll see how the Spartans perform against Rutgers and how dominating of a victory uh, Michigan has over Indiana later today that game what's the what's the spread on the michigan state Rutgers game do you know i uh, i've already oh, I closed down four and a half yeah what do you think it is you think Rutgers easily covers yeah yeah <laughs> i do uh the, wait, wait okay so what's more likely to happen michigan covers or michigan state covers covers uh michigan state covers Ooh. okay i'm not crazy about those those massive spreads never that's fair. That that is it's just it's hard. 
it's really hard to pull that off. The Michigan-Indiana game will air live immediately following the show. Pre-game starts at 11 a.m., kickoff at noon, and uh, thankfully we got all the kinks worked out on that, and, uh, you know, no interruptions for Michigan football here in the middle of the day. We'll take a break, and when we return, our picks for the weekend here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK. 95.3 WBCK. All right, we're back here for the final segment. It's time for picks on Mitten Madness. Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. Dejon, I'll get it started with what I think is the most fun game of the well, entire week. Let me, let me update the people real quick before we jump Yeah, yeah, into that. go ahead. Last week. Got to remind everybody he's ahead. We came in 25 and 5 for myself, 22 and 8 for you. And we had a very interesting week on the boards. You came out four and two. I came out three and three. So I'm up to 28 and eight on the year. You are just two games behind me sitting at 26 and 10. Don't call it a comeback. I'm trying. I'm <laughs> trying hard here. I know, I know too much ball, man. You're, you're not getting closer than two. You know, yeah, you went. If I'm above 500 and you go 500, that means I'm getting closer. All right. So I just need that to happen a couple more times. For sure. I will say. I think we're going to be more divided this week than we ever have. Really? So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll see how this one uh, how this one turns out. Okay. First game up, as I was going to say, probably the most exciting game of the entire weekend. Oregon at Washington, number eight, number seven, two Heisman Trophy contending quarterbacks, two dominating passing offenses, two teams that can also still run the ball and play really solid defense. The Oregon Ducks are three-point underdogs. However, they have a 54.8% chance to win on the matchup predictor. This is what they call a toss-up. DJ, who is winning this game and taking sole possession of first place in the Pac-12? Ah, yay, yay, yay. I don't like this game at all. This Future game is, Big Ten schools, by the way. I know. This game is way too close to call. But defense win championships and ultimately defenses win games too. And right now, Oregon's defense is, is by far putting up better numbers than Washington. And like, it's not like either one of them has played a bunch of like ranked schools or anything to like try and make a case for that. Oregon just seems to look better on paper defensively. So I, I got to roll with the Ducks just off that standpoint alone. Oregon does look better defensively. Last week's tight victory over Arizona does concern me a bit for the Huskies. However, I will say this every year. Every year, Oregon looks like they're a college football playoff team. Every year. The first time they have to play a team that is as good as them, they choke in the most miraculous fashion. So I'm going to say this. Oregon is going to cover the spread, a three-point spread, and lose. Give me the Huskies. Wow. <laughs> wow. They do it every year. It's usually against Utah. This year is going to be against Washington. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying they don't. I'm not saying they don't. But, I, dude, I got to see it on paper first. I, I, I got to see it. <laughs> so did this game this weekend will be the one that will actually have me sitting down in in front of something. Second question on this game, the over-under is 67. Smashing the over on that, right? Oh, <laughs> smash the over. Hey, I'm going to just let you know something right now. Any Pac-12 game, any Big 12 game, you should be smashing the over. Those teams don't play enough defense. I'm not going to say they don't play any. They don't play enough defense to keep anybody anywhere where they should be. Next game. Next game, we're keeping it. Not necessarily out on the West Coast, but we'll stay with the Pac-12 team they're making their way into the Midwest, down to South Bend to take on Notre Dame. USC coming into town. Who do you got on this one? I have lost all faith in the Irish. 
Uh, I'm actually very surprised to see that uh, Notre Dame is a two and a half point favorite and have a 62% chance to win this thing. Um, Sam Hartman is playing well. The running game is great. The defense is above average, I think, at this point. I had a lot of faith in Notre Dame coming out of the Ohio State game. I felt like maybe they maybe exercised some of those demons with the late loss overdue. Last week against Louisville, Notre Dame looked bad at football. Now, again, this Arizona school is trying to muck up everything that the Pac-12 has going for it, and it took three overtimes for Caleb Williams and the uber-talented USC Trojans to beat those Wildcats that say bear down for some reason. (laughs) I'll say this. It's not going to be dominating fashion, but USC puts up points. Notre Dame doesn't, and that's the difference. USC wins the game. I have to agree with you for one reason. I think this is the first time USC gets a chance to play someone that is ranked someone that is going to give them some validity as a team and then like for people to say yeah this usc usc team is for real again before they get into conference play they're looking to stay atop of the conference as there are still some undefeated foes you don't want to get a loss in a non-conference game against a team that's not as good as you when you still got to play washington oregon state oregon etc utah things get tough over in that pac-12 if you pick up a loss outside of it so i see usc taking care of business for that reason miami at north carolina is the next game that i have for you miami obviously lost a very controversial game last Last week, uh, they don't have quarterback Neal in their playbook, and they lost because of that. Controversy on whether or not that player was down before he fumbled. Either way, Miami should be 5-0 and like the North Carolina Tar Heels, and this should be an even bigger game than it really is. Nonetheless, Miami is 4-1, number 25 in the nation. North Carolina undefeated 5-0, and number 12 in the nation. Two potentially pro quarterbacks, uh, Drake May, top five pick. Tyler Van Dyke, very talented quarterback in his own right. The Tar Heels are only a three-point favorite at home over the Hurricanes who are looking to right the ship after a wonky loss last week. Who wins the game? Oh, wow. I think this might even be harder than Oregon and Washington was to pick. Because you look at the last five, North Carolina hasn't played anyone. And they went to double overtime with Appalachian State. But they are still extremely talented at the same time. And Drake May has been willing this team for the last couple years to a lot of victories that people feel like they shouldn't have. And you look at Miami, who dismantled Temple, just took them right out of the water, beat a Texas A&M team that just went toe-to-toe with some of the best in the SEC, beating a Miami of Ohio team that is stomping everyone else in its tracks, and then lost to Georgia Tech by a few after some snafus. Which one of these teams is actually better than the other one? (laughs) It's hard to tell, but I have to go off consistency. And North Carolina has been consistent not only this year, but the past couple years with Drake May and what they have. So I go UNC. I I don't think you're wrong on the consistency. You know what else they're consistent at? Not playing out to snuff in emotional football games. They have lost some games that were big-time moment, first-time tests for them, dating all the way back to when Sam Howell was the quarterback there, where they just did not perform the way that you would expect a Mac Brown coach team to perform. Miami is pissed off because not only should they have not lost in the fashion that they did, but there's video evidence to suggest they shouldn't have even lost the ball despite the questionable play call. And they've got everything they need to win this game. And you mentioned the A&M win. I think that speaks volumes over anything North Carolina has done this year so far. I'm going to roll with the Hurricanes in this one. We are really off to some different <laughs> I told you, I week. thought this week was going to be different. This is going to be interesting. Move to 
Big Ten country. One of my favorite games of the year to watch that has nothing. I don't watch many Big Ten games that don't deal with Michigan. But this is one that whenever it shows up, best believe I got it circled. I'm finding time to sit down and watch it. <laughs> because none other than the Purdue Boilermakers will be hosting. Hosting. <laughs> Let's make note of that. Purdue is at home against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Bad things happen. Bad things happen Bad things when happen. Purdue is not ranked and Ohio State is. <laughs> Luckily for Ohio State, they're not two like they normally are when this game happens. This but is still being ranked four. It's also not a night game. And Purdue being unranked and not a night game. Night game and it being not a night game helps Ohio State. Yes. A little bit. Yes. <laughs> what do you think happens in a literal giant slayer of a game in this specific matchup? Purdue isn't much of a giant slayer, but when Ohio State is up <laughs> up on the stake, they bring everything out. What you got? Um, I'll, I'll point this out. Ohio State is a 19-point favorite heading into West Lafayette. Um, I don't think Purdue is going to win. I don't think they have the players that they've had in the past when they have been able to upend Ohio State, but I do think they'll cover. <laughs> oh, I like the I like the cover idea. I truly do. And as much as it pains me to pick Ohio State to win three games in our picks in a year, gross. I'm gonna do it <laughs> because looking at the last five, a loss to Iowa isn't bad because Iowa did have Cade McNamara and and was at full strength, so that's not a terrible loss. But a loss to Wisconsin and a loss to to Syracuse, who has been good, but is still playing in the ACC, those aren't good losses to have. And, I mean, you beat Virginia Tech, great job to you. You beat Illinois, great job to you. But neither one of those are Ohio State. So I'm going to go with those guys down there again. He's so so bent out of shape about picking Ohio State. He's the one that keeps bringing Ohio State games to the the table. They don't be knowing. (laughs) They don't be knowing. Well, if you if you hated picking Ohio State, now I'm going to make you pick between two NFC rivals, uh, NFC North rivals, and um, not not the ones that, that you know you're willing to to be a little bit favorable towards. No Detroit Lions in this situation. Our only NFL game is between two one and four teams from the NFC North. The Minnesota Vikings taking on the Chicago Bears to determine who is going to be in sole place of last place in Dan Campbell's division. Who? <laughs> I love that. Uh, Minnesota is a three-point favorite heading into Soldier Field. The and are going to be without Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison is also questionable. Kirk Cousins might not have anybody to throw the ball to. Vikings running game is awful. And the Chicago Bears have looked pretty good the past two weeks despite being 1-1 one one in those games. Should really have been 2-0. and oh. Who wins the game? Bears, Vikings. This one hurts just as much because as much as I like coupons, as much as they have other things going for them, they played a lot of teams close, but they just lost their best weapon in Justin Jefferson. I cannot trust that the Vikings will pull this one out and I have to pick the Bears to win a football game. Wow. I'm not going to I'm really shocked that we are on the same page on this one. Uh I think the Vikings have better talent. It's just when you're losing these kind of games and the only team you've beat is Carolina, who doesn't look like they can beat anybody. I, it's, it's hard. It's hard. And, and the Bears have looked really, really good the past two weeks. They really should have beaten the Broncos. They're kicking themselves over that one, uh, in every way except for, you know, draft positioning. But Justin Fields has looked way better. Uh, DJ Moore and, and, and Fields are playing really well together. They've got a running game down there. The defense is still shaky. 
And that's where it's like, well, maybe Kirk Cousins can do something dangerous. But I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to have to go with the Bears. And to wrap things up, last game of the week is the only other game of the week that has two teams with the exact same record going against each other. And that's why I think I ended up going with this one. The Colts are traveling down to Jacksonville in Florida. Garner Minshew looking great filling in for the injured Anthony Richardson, who's also been great as a rookie. Going down to take on his former team, who Trevor Lawrence has had some up and downs this year. Who you got taking this one? Yeah, my bad saying that was the only NFL game. I always think my game is the last one. Uh, the Jags and the Colts. Jags are four-point favorites at home. I, oh, this one's hard because I love T-Law. I respect T-Law. But the Jags have not picked up where they left off last year. And the Colts have looked really, really good despite all of the injury problems with Anthony Richardson, the fact that he's not in this game, and not having their lead guy in Jonathan Taylor at the running back position, Colts have looked really, really good. That said, Jacksonville's coming off of two really big wins in London, and now they get to play in front of their fans who are excited to see them at home. That's practically a three-game home stretch for them, by the way. I don't know. I think Jacksonville feels pretty good coming off that win over the Bills, too. I'm going to take the Jags begrudgingly. I I feel this is my least confident I feel about any of these games. The only (laughs) reason I don't agree with you in this one is because the travel. And I've talked about this with, with, with Ed yesterday here in the office, like the travel is is a reason why it's not going to happen or not at Meatball. Uh, it's not going to happen over on, over the pond because the traveling, you just can't figure out. We've talked about it a little bit as well. I think that travel of them coming back from London is going to bother them where the Colts have been here in the States the entire time. Nothing changes for them. There's no jet lag whatsoever this week, any of that. The Jags are the most adjusted team to that. That's fine. That's fine. But they've just been over there for, what, three weeks? Two. And, and, and they won both of their well, games. But I would assume they had gone that week before to try and get practice and such and to regulate their bodies. Oh, it so depends been on when they left. for three yeah. weeks. And now they're coming back home. I, I can't necessarily trust it. And that's why, in my opinion, that's why the Bills lost last week against Jacksonville. Because they went up there and that was their first time up there. But the Jags have been there for what a week already two weeks yeah that's that's concerning and and so I got to go with the Colts run them down so this week man so much difference (laughs) I'm taking Oregon you're taking Washington we both have USC I've got North Carolina you got Miami we both have Ohio State both have the Bears I've got the Colts and you've got the Jags wow there's a chance I could take the lead (laughs) this guy I'm telling there's There's a chance chance, yes but I gotta go six and oh yeah but there's a chance that's tough yeah, that is tough. As somebody who's done it a couple times already, this year, <laughs> that's tough. Okay, okay. All right, that'll close it down for us here. Uh, as soon as this next commercial break is over, it's going to be Michigan football here on 95.3 WBCK. Pre-game for an hour and then kickoff between the Wolverines and the Hoosiers at noon. We'll see you next week for Mitten Madness right here on 95.3 WBCK. For Dejan Hughes, I'm Jacob Harrison. Later. <laughs>